This is the Stop Time Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Hopkins, and I'm here to engage you in thought-provoking motivational conversations around practicing the art of living in the moment. I'm a certified life coach, and I'm excited to dig deep and offer insights into embracing who we are and where we are at. So Broadway and off-Broadway theaters were not allowed to open as New York City entered phase four of reopening on July 20th. All shows will remain closed through the end of 2020. Today, I'm speaking with Tony Award-nominated producer and director Antonia Marion, whose Broadway credits include the 2019 revival of Betrayal, the Tony-nominated and Olivier Award-winning Best Musical Groundhog Day, Big Fish, Ghost, and Evita with uh, Grammy Award-winning sensation Ricky Martin, and currently serves as the executive producer of original programming for Today Ticks. Tony, welcome. Thanks for having me in these unusual circumstances. Oh, absolutely. No, listen, thanks so much for joining me today on Stop Time. If it's okay with you, I'm just going to kind of jump right in. Great. And, and hopefully there'll be a day when this podcast is still going and I won't need to start with this question, but it's great for context. So tell us about the moment back in March when you knew Broadway was really shutting down. Oh, gosh. It was Thursday the 12th. It's when all of the, when, when, our, when our Broadway League was meeting, we, we kind of knew something was going to happen, but I think we all thought it was going to be just a slight disruption, like a weekend off of shows until we figured out how to, you know, safeguard our theaters, you know, a week off of shows, whatever that is. Um, so we kind of knew it was going to happen. And it was that kind of day of texts and emails and calls. And I think it's going to happen now. I think it's going to happen then. Um, and I remember the moment it finally happened. I talked to some friends in the office and I was like, this is great. We're going to have two weeks off. I'm going to go get in shape. I'll, I'll finally go to the gym, you know, going to, going to clean up the house a little bit. And, and I had some friends that were just like, no, man, I think this is going to be like a month. And other friends were like, no, I think this is going to be like 90 days. And I was like, there's no way, there's no way in hell that this, this, this happens that long. Um, and now they joke with me that they wish we would have made bets back then because I would have lost all of them. But you know, it was, it was a crazy day. And it was actually funny because that night, I joined a group of producers and theater owners. We went to Sardi's to drown our sorrows um, and have kind of one last hurrah. And we all got sick. We all got COVID that night. So we were like the first round of people in, in New York and in our industry to get sick. And I think the, the mixture of what happened to our industry, getting super sick when this all began was a real like gut check, right? It was a real reality check in terms of, oh, this isn't, this isn't just, you know, something that's floating through the media. This isn't something that's just kind of going to come and go. This is major. But, you know, it's just, you all go in, we all go into survival mode immediately and trying to figure out, you know, what are we going to do and how are we going to fix this and where are we going to go from here? But um, I, I'll, I'll never forget that day because I don't think we'll ever have, hopefully we'll never have, you know, a time like this again in our, in our, in our lifetimes, um, let alone our industry. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was going to ask you what was your greatest concern, but I'm, I'm guessing, you know, uh, well, other than health, I guess, because at that point it would have been your health, I'm sure. What, what was the first thing that came up for you, though, when you realized that, you know, our industry was going down for a bit? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I think selfishly for me, there's, there's something really incredible about our theater communities around the world, but particularly here on Broadway. It's like campus, right? You know, there's a real family that we have here. So not being able to you know, be with your chosen family, you know, which is just, it, it becomes so part of your lives here in New York. I think that was really hard. But then the realities of like the economics of what we're going through, you know, really hit when you start reading the statistics of, 
you know, how many New Yorkers won't be able to pay their rent by this date when you start to kind of see a lot of your friends, you know, who are in between jobs who no longer have a survival job because survival jobs are gone in New York City, right? There's no restaurants, there's no catering, there's no retail, there's no babysitting, there's no dog, like there's no survival jobs whatsoever. Um, watching friends leave the city to go back home, you know, watching friends, this, this kind of exit, the mass exodus of all of these arts people, members of our arts community is, um, that's tough. You know, that, that's, that's, that's really tough. I mean, I'm very thankful that I'll be able to weather the storm, you know, with a few of my colleagues, but you know, we have a lot of colleagues that, that won't. And so, you know, I think right now we're just trying to figure out how can we support each other best, you know, emotionally, you know, spiritually with opportunity, with the opportunities that we can give each other, because not everybody's able to, you know, to deal with the the harsh economic realities of living in New York City without, you know, a healthy reserve or continuous income. Yeah, absolutely. What discoveries have you made, it, made about yourself that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise made? I could be on my deathbed and be like, no, but, but you know, the show starts at this time, right? Or no, we have to do this. Or we have to get that done. I'm, I'm, I'm a big, I love what I do. So I, I, I put a lot of my own kind of happiness in uh, the work that I do and the people I surround myself with in terms of them being key factors in making me happy. So I think when you, you remove your friends, your chosen family, when you remove the business that you love from the equation and you're left with yourself, it does kind of make you realize what you need to work on internally in terms of making you and you alone being what makes you happy and content. And, you know, I think that there's a healthy balance between that and work making you happy. But so I'm sure that's a self-discovery that I'm not alone in, in having with a lot of, of friends and colleagues in this industry right now. What makes you happy? Working. Working makes me happy. Truly. I, I love, I mean, I, I really do. I mean, I, there's no greater feeling in the world to me than having a drink with a friend early evening show starts, you know, having a show on Broadway, walking to the theater, you know, just after the show has started and standing in the back of the house and watching all those people react to something that you've, you've poured your, your heart and soul into collaborating, you know, um, fixing creative problems, working makes me happy, you know, and, and, and I'm so lucky to be surrounded by incredibly smart, passionate, talented, you know, daring mavericks, you know, in, in this business. And so that energy, I just, I feed off that energy and, and um, that makes me happy. Yeah. So what is that without all the things that you just described? I have found ways to, to better myself, you know, better educate myself, hone in on my craft that I can do, you know, in my own home. Um, lots of reading, lots of research, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to kind of, I think what I need to do, what I've had to do is shift the focus of what the what the process of work is in this period of time because before it was being in the room being in the space hustling conversing all day long you know working with your team now it's a little different right because now it's research and now it's talking to creators and coming up with new ideas and and it's just it's the work has taken a bit of a different tone a different cadence a different speed so i think that's probably the biggest um tilt that i've had right of like you know work making me happy but work is just not the same it's not defined as the same sort of process as it was i think that's where i'm at right now check up in a week i could (laughs) have i I could have a completely different story (laughs) yeah no fair and it's you know i'm hearing you say that you know there's still you sound very grateful. Um, you're, you're clearly a very upbeat, sort of anab- anabolic, positive person, which is lovely and so very necessary, you know. So I just want to sort of 
celebrate you for a moment because that's really a gift, you know. Well, listen, I'm very, and thank you for that. I mean, listen, I'm very aware of the gift that I have being one of the few people that's able to stay in New York, one of the few people that, you know, still has a job, one of the few people that still has a semblance of income coming in. You know what I mean? It's just, I'm I'm very aware of of, of the gift and the privilege that I have that a lot of my colleagues haven't been afforded to weather this storm. And, and with that, for me, has come a lot of responsibility, right, in terms of being aware of how precious and rare that is right now. You know, I take a lot of responsibility in what I do with this time and the opportunities that I can create for my friends that, you know, don't have the luxuries that I have right now. This is a real reset that is happening, I think. That is a gift that hasn't been given to anybody in the history of the American theater, right? Is like, it was all working, don't get me wrong. People were making millions of dollars off shows. Productions were grossing more and bringing in more audiences than they ever had before. But just because it was working doesn't mean that there weren't major, major problems and issues with our business overall. So I think this time is, is, is forcing us to face a lot of really harsh realities about what we need to fix um, in order for us to create a theater that sustains, you know, and to create a theater that, that appeals to the next generation of, of audiences, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. So there's this kind of whole re-education of what theater is, the power of theater, why it matters, the stories we're telling. We need to tell stories that more reflect the mood of our world, the mood of our country, the mood of our audiences. They need to be told by large spectrum of, of people and of talent and of artists. And so that has become more of a social obligation, I feel like, for our community, which needed to be there, right, from the beginning of, you know, it's always needed to be there. But I think that has become, you know, just as as important of a pillar um, to the business model of theater, you know, in terms of, in terms of the work that, that we're doing. What is your definition of living in the moment? What changes day by day? It's a really good question. And I, and I don't know if I have a material answer for it because I'm discovering what living in the moment means right now. You know, I used to think living in the moment was, you know, having an image in time seared into your mind forever. You know, the great performances we've seen on stage, the great nights we've had with friends, the great memories. Um, but I think that what is happening in the world right now has completely changed that. I don't know if I have a definition for that right now. All I can say is that my definition for living in the moment has changed and is changing, I hope for the better, right? You know, a night in the theater, you know, which I never thought, you know, I used to complain about like, oh, I gotta go see this show. I gotta go see, I will never do that again for the rest of my life, right? I'll never cancel on friends again for the rest of my life. I'll never say, oh, I'm too tired. I don't want to come and meet you for a drink. I'll never do that again for the rest of my life, you know? So I think right now in this moment, it's made us hyper aware of how special experiences in our lives are. And I guess, you know, if I could give an idea of what that definition might be for me now after talking through it, you know, it's taking, um, not taking for granted the things that are in our lives right now at this very moment in time, because we know how easily those could be taken away from us. Mm, Absolutely. Gratitude. Yeah. Gratitude. Yeah. It's so Gratitude. funny. Well, we throw it around, right? We throw around that word. Now it really means something. It does. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Gratitude. There we go. Gratitude. See, you just defined it for me. <laughs> so, so I found something that you said. I'd like to share it if that's okay. Yeah. Um, and you said, um, when I asked 
in the survey that I give my guests what, what your strongest attributes are. And something stood out to me because you said the ability to lead and inspire, but through a reality-based approach. Mm. That's intriguing. <laughs> a lot of people probably don't like me for that. I'm, I'm pretty, look, I'm a realist. I'm a complete realist. You know, I plan for failure with everything that I do. And I know that's not particularly inspiring sometimes. But when I say being able to lead and inspire through a place of being a realist or through, you know, reality-based leadership, there's no BS, right? Everybody around me knows I'm not going to BS them. I'm going to tell you exactly what's happening. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the good and the bad. And what that does is that creates a trust and a real camaraderie, right? Um, where we know what we're dealing with. Everybody knows what they're dealing with. There are no surprises. And although that causes shock, you know, or it causes friction when it first happens, I think when people realize that you're giving them all of the facts to help better set them up for success, not because you're being negative, not because you're trying to tear them down, not because you're not trying to celebrate what's going on, right? It's more so of setting up people for success. And there's some things that we can do, any leader can do to set people up for success. But at the end of the day, I think the best thing that you can do is, is to just be real about what's going on in the situation. And this is a time now more than ever. It's like the blunt conversations that I have with friends about their shows and their finances and, you know, what our industries, you know, could possibly look like when we come back from this, what it couldn't look like, you know, it's hard stuff to talk about. But I think at the end of the day, it allows us to go, okay, all right, my cards are laid on the table. I know what I'm dealing with. And that I think is inspiring. That kind of gets you fired up to say, let's conquer and let's, let's, let's face these challenges and, and overcome them. So I think that's kind of what I, what I mean by that is like, you know, I'm always the person, and by the way, I'm terrible at opening night parties because never ask me at an opening night party, what did you think of my show? Or what did you think of my performance? Or what did you think of my design? Because if, if I've had a few drinks, I'll just be like, well, here's, here's, here, here's the truth. And being that person, and I hope, I think, I hope that the, the people that care most about me also, you know, respect that in me is just being somebody that's going to tell you the truth. And, and that's how I like to lead. And that's how I like to kind of inspire the people that I work with. Yeah. Why is that important to you? I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say that I've had any experiences in life that have made me want to be a realist, right? Like there's been no damaging experience where I thought I never want that to happen. I've just, it's just always been who I, who I am, right? I've just always been that person that's very open and honest. Um, um, I also like to get things done quickly. I like to work quickly. That's why I love New York City. You can have a conversation with somebody and be like, hey, right at the beginning of a lunch, I read this, I looked at that, not really something that I'm interested in, take care. And then you have a lunch, you just talk about life or you talk about the industry, right? Like everything is, is, is very kind of straightforward here. Um, and I just like to work that way. I like knowing that everybody's on the same page. I like knowing that everybody's uh, in the loop of what's going on. Um, Cause I like to trust the people around me, you know, and I don't want to be the person holding all of the secrets. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, that makes perfect sense, right? I mean, given, you know, given the responsibilities you have, of really knowing every detail of everything that's happening as a producer of a, of a project, right? I don't want the problems that we deal with to distract, you know, creative team members, uh, actors. I don't want it to distract them from what they ultimately need to be focusing on. Um, so there, there is a bit of a filter in terms of like, you know, what you share. Um, but, you know, it's a balance. But, you know, it's just about building trust. And, and you just want people to know that, 
if they come to you as a leader, if they come to you as somebody that, you know, is inspiring a project or inspiring a team of people, you want them to know that you'll, you'll, you'll give them the truth, right? Because then when you give them positive feedback and when you give people good things, they know it's real, right? Like that, that, that works because, you know, Tony really liked it, you know, or our team of producers really liked that. So it's about kind of creating that dynamic from that dynamic of trust and that dynamic where, if, if I agree with something, if me and my partners agree with something, if a team agrees with something that's good, you know it's good because we're not going to BS you that it's not. Yeah. What if the team doesn't, you know, it gets muddy, doesn't it? Because what if the team doesn't agree? You know, I mean, we're talking I've about I've been through that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Very subjective stuff art is, you know, at the end of the day. Um, there's no playbook, right? There's no playbook on how to do this. And, and my biggest thing I always say is like, there's no formula for how to create art. All that we can do is be hyper aware of each experience, learn from the mistakes of each experience and allow them to influence the new formula that has to be created every time you start a new project. Every component, you know, in these very complex engines that we build has to be custom tailored to what ultimately is going to support the piece and what is going to allow that piece to to run as freely as it can. You know, at the end of the day, everything kind of has to be tailored made, you know, to, um, to what we're doing. Um, and yeah, that causes friction sometimes, you know, I've, I've learned a lot about, I've learned more in the last 10 years about the people that I want to work with and the people I don't want to work with than probably anything. So it's a really difficult balance, you know, in terms of creating a room full of people that are right for what they're doing, that think alike, but also think so differently that it causes necessary and positive friction that will allow you to create something magical um, and hopefully something that's you know long lasting and successful. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, you're such a positive, upbeat, you know, I love my work, I love my people, I'm gonna keep working. It sounds like you really resonate from a heart space when it comes to why you're doing what you're doing. On the other hand, I'm also hearing this, you know, necessarily pragmatic side, which mm-hmm. is, you know, numbers and, and, you know, at the end of the day, yes, we all want this dream to happen, but somebody's got to, you know, somebody's got to take the reins and, and lead it and make it happen. And I'm curious to know, like, where, where does your heart lie? Is there ever a moment, you know, where maybe you were so entranced with an idea, even, even though you knew or you know, maybe that voice in your head came up saying, mm. you know, earlier in my career, when I started working, I think that um, I definitely was just so in love with the business and so in love with being in the room with just the magic of theater that I definitely made some pretty poor business decisions, right? Like the pragmatist in me would be like, mm, this is never going to work. I, 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 I slowly but surely am being able to kind of, you know, garner the ability um, to be very measured about my passion and my love for what I do, but also ensuring that like the decisions that I make are rooted in smart business, pragmatic, you know, uh, uh, structures. So, um, but yeah, there's tons of projects that did not do well. It did not do well at all, but you know what, at least I, I still wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have done them, but I still wouldn't change those experiences for the world because they've informed so much of what I'm talking, you know, to you about now. And they've informed so much of my ability to make those decisions in the future. And they've brought people into my life that I never would have had in my life, you know, um, if it wasn't for those experiences that have changed the course of my life personally and professionally. So I've, I, but I still struggle with it. I have to kind of check myself every now and then because 
Um, I just, I love, I, I love what I do so much. Right. And that passion, passion is, 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 is dangerous in that way. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's a really great gift, but it could also become, you know, an incredible kind of blocker, you know, to success because when you're passionate about something, you just, you know, you, you make all of your decisions from your heart and it does need to be a balance of, of mind and heart, you know? Um, but that's just something that I've learned with age. And I kind of assume that I'll continue to learn with age and I'll continue to learn through experiences and, I don't think it's necessarily something you can teach. And it's not something that I feel like you should beat yourself up about. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you should recognize it. But at the end of the day, when you're passionate about something, you would never trade any experience for the, for the world, you know? So. Yeah, no, for sure. Has there ever been um, a project that the pragmatic side said, absolutely not, but that it totally took off? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like kinky, like, like shows like kinky boots. Yeah, 100%. This business is so unpredictable where, you know, the most brilliant, you know, data analysis in the world would have no idea, you know, how to predict what's going to work and what's not going to work, you know, on Broadway. So that being said, when you do make a decision, I think you have to ask yourself, if this goes belly up, if we lose everything on this, if all of this time is for nothing financially, would I still want to do this all over again? And if the answer is yes, you do it. There's no way to tell. It's just hard to predict what's going to happen. So you just have to, you have to make sure you love it. No, for sure. And, you know, there's, there's so much that we can't control, as you said, right? I mean, there's just right. so much. And so I'm curious to know how much energy would you say you spend worrying about things that you can't? Look at the times we're living in right now. Literally right. every day, I'm, 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 I'm just putting out energy. Of, I can't control this. You can't control this. None of us can control what's going on right now. None of us can. And um, I walk back and forth across my apartment all day long because of it. So I spend probably all of my time worrying about things that I can't control. That's just the honest truth. Yeah, all day long. I'm spending all day long, you know, worrying about things that I can't control. And I'm sure I make everybody around me crazy because I'm this manic 2 a.m. email kind of guy. Like, this isn't working. We have to fix this. This isn't working. We need to push this. We need to push that. Just is who I am, you know? So I'm just in for a life of anxiety and stress. Well, that's where the coach comes in and says, yes, but we have choices around how we respond. That, Correct. that we can control. And I think to your point there, Lisa, this is what is happening right now through COVID and this quarantine and being locked down. I can't be in a manic ball of stress 24-7. There's no separation between my office and where I come home to unwind. So I have to kind of start to work really hard about creating um some sort of barriers between personal life and work life because there's no distinction between the two right now right it's all kind of blended into one and that can become a very dangerous headspace to live in particularly with everything else that we're dealing with mentally right now right so i'm trying to create these barriers and, and the hard thing with work from home is the devices that we communicate to the people in our lives with are also how we communicate with work it's interesting because i i heard you say um barriers and separation and i'm curious to know if you were to you know look at it from a point of view of um not so much what you have to keep out and separate but what you want to let in mm. yeah um i don't know what i want to let in yet i i know what i want to keep out and separate that's i've got i've gotten through that process and i'm still going through that process um you know letting in it goes back to kind of the point you made about gratitude, right? But gratitude for myself for the past probably three months now, every Saturday morning, I leave my phone at home. I go get an iced coffee. I walk to Central Park and I read the paper. I spend like three hours sitting on the same bench in the park 
And uh, it was such a stressful moment in the beginning because I didn't have my phone and what if I'm not tied to work and blah, 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 blah. But I kind of gave myself the gratitude to like, no, this is for you. This is like, the, this is like taking a vitamin, right? This is like going to work out. Like this is a healthy moment for you mentally. Um, so I guess it's letting in that gratitude for yourself, letting in the ability to kind of say and recognize that this is good. This is good. What you just did was good, you know, pat on the back. Next time, let's try to do it a little bit longer. Let's always try to improve, but you're going in the right direction and, and give yourself a little bit of credit for, you know, creating a really strict structure in your life that is only brought about by you right? Nobody can bring structures into our life right now. Work can't bring structure. You know, nothing can bring structure into our lives right now. So we have to do it. Um, so I think the thing of letting in for me right now is a little bit more of that gratitude. It's, it's so clear that the giving yourself permission is yeah. being, is being um, and it's beautiful. I love what you described. I think it's fantastic, you know, and I understand that it's hard to do. And I'm sure for, for someone like yourself, it would be even even that much more difficult because you're so used to accomplishing stuff to building to creating to you know to fixing putting fires out to all of those things that you do and and so nobody's aware that you're doing it except for the person that you kicked off the bench and you you're you're bringing out so much in me right now just in terms of like you know how we you know go through all of this but no yeah it's a lot it's just it's self-discipline is like i think the biggest that's for me, I think is going to be my biggest improvement when I come out of this, right? Self-discipline to pay attention, self-discipline to give yourself time, self-discipline to hold yourself to what you tell yourself you're going to do, right? Like self-discipline to educate yourself a little bit more. You know, there's no excuses. We have no excuses right now in this time that we're living in. I am the only barrier between me finishing that book, educating myself on this subject, getting that done going to the gym, going for a run, spending me time. I am the only, there's no other barriers. And the moment you recognize that you realize like, all right, this is a masterclass in discipline. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. It's really interesting because, you know, we talked earlier about control mm. and how, you know, some people don't like me because I'm so controlling and I'm honest and, you know, this control, control, control kept coming up. And it's, it's interesting that, sort of through that that little exercise of thinking about you know letting something in that that you've sort of been able to turn that around and, and turn it into a value of discipline yes yes it, it's a value of discipline it's is, is completely it what we're going through is is such a unique um unparalleled time you know i'm kind of enjoying that i'm enjoying not having an answer i'm enjoying the kind of response of saying i don't know yet but let me figure it out. And that's not something that I would have said before this started. We need to be granted time to be better. We need to be granted time. It's the, uh, nothing's happening overnight, right? But we need to be disciplined to be on the path towards, you know, getting to the place where we make changes in ourselves and our lives. I don't have all the answers right now and I'm kind of enjoying it, you know? It's kind of fun to say, I don't know, you know? I uh, bet. I bet it is for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. How do you think you'll take that learning forward when you go back into when, you know, when things get back sort of to the more normal for you? How will you take that learning forward? Um, I think, I think it's just like opening the aperture to what collaboration me, means in terms of if you don't have the answer, it's okay. Somebody else might have the answer. I think that's a big thing. Uh, it doesn't always have to come from you. 
Um, that's probably a big learning there. But we got a long way to go. Uh, you know, Broadway shows are not going to be back until next spring, you know, at the earliest. So there's going to be a lot more learnings to kind of come and, and there's a lot more ahead. Um, so ask me that question in about six months and I'll probably have a list of answers for you. <laughs> I'm excited to be healthier spiritually and mentally, um, you know, when we kind of go back to work, whatever that means. Um, but I'm excited for the, those first, you know, those first moments back. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I think I'm, ex- and I'm excited to watch how everybody else has changed. I'm excited to watch how my colleagues and the people around us have changed and, and how they, what they've done with their time. Um, but you know, I think a lot of us are going to, are going to show incredible self-improvements and that's, that's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. How do you want to be remembered? Uh, like you mean like my funeral, which I've already planned, yeah. or like how to, you know, yeah, of course you have. <laughs> well, I'm a big, like, I love asking any of my friends. I love parties. I'm always having some sort of party and I'm, I, and I'm, I somehow get somebody else to pay for it and somebody else to host it. That's my, like, that's like my secret gift in life. <laughs> but I think just, I don't know, just being remembered as just a good person. No, I, I, I want to be, I want to remember it as a good guy. I want to be remembered as a good person, as, as a fair, honest person that, that gives everybody a fair chance and a fair shot. Somebody that, you know, inspires you to innovate and work harder and do better and to always lift the rug and see what else can we do and what else, you know, can be done. Um, I think it's as simple as that. Like, I don't have any grand ideas of legacy. I don't have any grand ideas of like, you know, he did this or he did that. I think it's more of just how I treated people. I want, I want to be seen. I want to be remembered as somebody that treated everybody fairly with kindness and with respect, but who also inspired you. Right. And whose energy was infectious and made you want to do more and made you want to, uh, elevate yourself, you know? Yeah. And then, but the funeral is black tie. I'll be in Tom Ford. You know, it'll be, it'll be ticketed on Ticketmaster. It'll be, it'll be a big thing. <laughs> of course it will. <laughs> no, party at the plaza. You know, it's, I, I want like a week long wake, you know, just like parties and events. And I want it to be that thing where people are like, are you going to Tony Marion's funeral? I'm like, no, I didn't get the invite. Well, I got that. You didn't get the invite. I got, the, I want it to be that. I want it to be like the social event of the <laughs> season. Awesome. Yeah. Because you want your friends to be happy. You know, I'm really hearing that, that compassion in you at the end of the day. I mean, it, it's all under this auspices of, I love a party and someone else hosting it, but you love your people. I also love to drive my friends nuts. And I know that when I'm dead, any friends that outlive me, I want them to just be like, oh God, Tony wouldn't like this. Tony, would, it's going to drive them. My funeral is going to drive them crazy. And I have this like, um, my, this like sick joy in knowing that uh, I'm going to haunt producing. them. From, <laughs> yes, I'm still producing. I'm going to haunt them from the other side. I love that. Oh my God, that's so perfect. So where do you see yourself five years from now? I mean, you're a young guy. You're very experienced. Just for my my listeners, you know, can I tell how old you are? Yeah. Yeah, he's 28, folks. 28. These are my last days. (laughs) Getting old. Getting old, kids. Getting old. So at the the ripe age of, uh, I guess, 33 slash 34, five years from now, where, where, where do you see yourself? Well, that question would have been differently answered six months ago because it would have been based in like progress and, you know, having this many shows and blah, 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 blah. I just want to be working. Like at w- with what's happening right now, I, five years from now, I just want to be working. I want to be working. I want to be making a living in the theater and I want to be happy. And that has been a, a huge change that I feel like a lot of my colleagues and I 
have gone through right now is that answer would have been so different, you know, before March 12th. Yeah. Isn't it funny how this global pandemic is, you know, has brought up, as you said, brought about so much, you know, sadness and tragedy, but it's also brought about this massive collective gratitude. Yeah, it has. Uh, you know, I've had, I've lost friends and our industry has been disrupted and, and uh, friends are going through really, really hard times right now. Um, but I, I, you know, again, it's hard to say with everything that's happening right now in this moment, but I think everything happens for a reason. And uh, I think that, you know, when we get out of this, you know, we're going to look back and, and look at this time and it's going to be tough, you know, it's going to be tough to look back at this time, but I think, I, th- I think we'll find some silver linings and I hope we find some silver linings in it. You know, we have to kind of honor what everybody's going through right now. We have to honor those that we've lost. We have to honor those that we're losing. We have to honor the, the incredible adversity that people are facing right now with some sort of better world for ourselves, better lives for ourselves, better industry, right? Like that is the best way to honor what we're going through right now. Um, so I, I'm trying to do that. I hope everybody else does that. I think we'll get there. I hope we get there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm so enjoying talking with you today. So great. Your energy is just, it's, it's totally contagious. It's beautiful. Therapy session I've had in a long time. Um, really great. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, um, I, I love to ask my guests, what are the top three things that happened so far today? Um, we had a great um, town hall with our, with, our, with our global company today, Tix this fabulous actress named Noma Dumaswene. Um, her and I had a chat about uh, being black in the theater, being a black woman in the theater and what that means to her now. And it was really inspiring and really special. And then I met a new team member from Today Tix um, today, which was exciting because it's good to get new energy and it's good for them. It, I, I love meeting new people and seeing how we interact with each other and what happens there. Um, and this is probably the next, the next, the, the third thing that's happened today. We've had like a great conversation that, um, you know, wasn't just a conversation. It's something that's affected me. And, and uh, you know, I might have to go take a lie down after this. <laughs> so what, what are you most looking forward to today? I have never had it. I haven't had a TV in three, four years. And uh, I bought a TV on Amazon. So I have to get cozy because I'm going to be here for a while. So uh, my TV is coming in and I got a, a great new sound bar. And I can't wait to, to like just sit with myself tonight, make myself dinner and just watch some of the movies that I've been wanting to catch up and, and watching. And I know that sounds so ridiculous, but I just, I haven't had a TV in a long time. So oh, I'm no, excited. not at all. Not I'm more. excited for it to come in. And now I can watch our world spiral out of control on 52 inches versus my 13 inch MacBook. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm going to try this out on you. I, I, I've tried this on one other person so far. Um, we'll see how it works. It's rapid fire. You ready? Mm, mm. Um, Great. Yeah, I figured you'd be up for it. You ready? Okay. So rapid fire. What makes you sad? Going to bed. Mad. Missing opportunities. Frustrated. Missing opportunities. Interested. A problem that I don't know how to solve. Cool. Motivated. Missed opportunities. <laughs> Inspired. Um, others' success. Grateful. Uh, my friends. <laughs> oh, your smile was so beautiful on that last one. Just so all your friends know, he meant that one. <laughs> yeah, they're all, they're all pains in the ass, but you know. <laughs> Tony, I am truly grateful for the opportunity to spend this time together with you. And oh my gosh, it's been such a pleasure. 
Thank really. you. This has been this has been really great. This has been really great. I hope to I hope to do this again with you one day soon. I would love that. I've been speaking today with Tony Marion. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. And remember to live in the moment. In music, stop time is that beautiful moment where the band is suspended in rhythmic unison, supporting the soloist to express their individuality. In the moment, I encourage you to take that time and create your own rhythm. Until next time, I'm Lisa Hopkins. Thanks for listening.